And we are live. All right, welcome. This is episode 46 of the Push a Shout podcast. No, I'm it's kidding. not. It's episode 47. <laughs> it's episode 47. I'm just pulling your pulling your chain there. <laughs> I'm, I'm Skippy. I'm not. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna abandon that bit real quick. We're gonna let it's that a, one. It's a good bit. It's a good bit. Let that one burn on the back burner for a little while. We'll bring it back later. It'll it'll be a callback. Uh, <clears throat> so. We've, we've oh been... god, hold on, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Oh no. I just realized that I didn't mute the, uh... Where's this coming from? Oh god, it's coming from everywhere. Don't stop, we're gonna just leave this in. I don't know what's going we'll on. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. I left uh, the you didn't preview mute... thing. I le- yeah, I left the preview thing open and it started looting, looting, whatever. Fuck, go on with the podcast. This Mr. is Hose. episode 47 of the Push Shout Podcast. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, we, 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 we play video games uh, and talk about them. If you if you're if you're just tuning in for the first time for some reason, oh god, what a great start! Actually, uh, it is. It's fun. This is a yeah. fun start. We're all well. We're just fun guys. I'm happy about it. We we you know we don't we don't like to take things too seriously. We like to have a good time. We try to joke around. You know, keep <laughs> it a casual. <laughs> I left my fucking phone on the <laughs> microphone, and it's not it's not even a text. It's the alert that I just started streaming. See, I'm a professional. Podcast. I had my phone sitting on my glass table right underneath my microphone on vibrate, so that, that would have is... been very loud if I got a text message. But I put it on my bed. Right next to me. You're, you're a hack frog. I'm such a professional that I record my podcast right next to my bed. Uh, <clears throat> I have been playing video games that aren't Metal Gear Solid Five. What have you been doing? I have been playing video game that isn't Metal Gear Solid Five. A video game. A video game called Mario, Mario Ma- Maker. Mario ah. Maker. It's good. Um, I heard. Let's just jump in. Why not? Yeah. Wait, this is a this is a casual cast. We've already had some <laughs> some catastrophic technical. We shot the shit. Now let's get yeah, to the, the real. Shit, the shit has been shot. Yep. Mario Maker is really good. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's that is a really, really, really good game. Um, so I just want to—I don't know really how to jump into it. So <laughs> let me just talk about the very, very beginning of the game. The very beginning of the game, before you get any kind of menu or anything like that, you're just in the first level of Super Mario Brothers. For the NES. And you're hmm. going along, and it's exactly the same as it was in the actual game. And then you reach a point, and there's just this huge gap with a bottomless pit. And then a pop-up appears, and it's like, oh, it looks like somebody forgot to finish this course. <laughs> Why don't you finish it? And then it pops up with the level editor. Neat. It, that is, yeah, it's a really, really neat intro. It's a very that Nintendo is, kind of thing to do. It's clever. It's cute. And, uh, yeah, and so you, you complete the level. The first thing you do in this game is to finish an iconic level. It's it's a really, really nice way to introduce it. Um, I, I streamed a little... At first, I streamed it. I, I, uh, I was streaming it, and I played some levels, and I edited my first level and what i realized pretty quickly is that this really isn't a kind of game that i would want to stream um maybe if i was like a youtube let's player who was content to just like sit there and all right guys <laughs> oh, man. we're gonna make something crazy yeah but as i was editing a level on the stream 
I, I got like really into it. I was, oh, I, I really want to try making this platform exactly high enough that you can't quite jump to it so that you have to jump on the on the flying koopa that i'm going to put right here and it's it is incredible um it it, i've it's it's not even playing really um level editors i've i've tried making levels with hammer before i've tried making levels with i made like one for portal but it really wasn't good or anything I made one for Super Meat Boy, but those level editors have never been straightforward enough that you can get into it and really flex your level design yeah. sensibility without getting really into the technical aspects of the, the level editor. This level editor is so simple and easy to use that you can really get deep into level design without having to learn the editor, which is an amazing accomplishment there's an, this is the best level editor period for yeah like, and it's for a mass audience i obviously haven't played it because i don't have a wii u this would be if i were to get a wii u it would be for this game almost at, definitely at this point with with smash 4 with um with what what's it called uh donkey kong tropical freeze with with splatoon Super Mario Maker splatoon at this point, pikmin at this point the wii u is a fully justified purpose purchase and you no further games could come out and it would still be a, a, a complete console yeah like but this, part of the problem is that i don't out. think a lot of further games are going to come out because they're already talking about that's their true. next console the nx and uh, who knows I, if the new zelda they announced is even going to come out for this anymore I yeah think. i think it would because it's like you gotta it might have be a like zelda a twilight console. it might be like a twilight princess thing yeah maybe split it between the two anyway um it's just there, there's so much that so one thing that was a, an issue at first for people, the people who got a pre-release, was that the way you unlock elements of the editor yeah. was time release. And so you had to play it for like seven days or something to get everything. Um, and it would unlock very slowly. They updated it so that it goes a lot faster. It's now in 15-minute increments. Mm. And I think it's actually a good decision because... What it what it forces you to do is gain a familiarity with how to build like a basic level. You you need to know how to put a level together and you you start to learn how to work within those constraints. It's kinda like Metal Gear Solid Five actually, in that way. Metal Gear Solid Five, the gameplay, I mean, uh this is no spoilers obviously. Mario and Metal Gear Solid very similar games. You have you you really don't have that many tools when you start Phantom Pain. You you unlock them and you develop them and there's in-game timers to sort of limit you. And when you get it, it feels like, "Oh my god, I can do this now." That's exactly what Mario Maker is like. Um Mario Maker you you have you don't even have a fire flower to start with. You have a super limited tool set. Yeah. But in that 15 minutes where that was all I had, I was already making a level where it's like all flying Koopas across a huge gap. I didn't have spikes. So what I did is I took the spiny things that walk around and I filled a pit full of them. And they were like bumping mm-hmm. back and forth into each other. And, uh, and you had to like bounce your way across this gap. And it's not that creative a level, but it, it sort of forces you to learn what you can do with limitations which 
I think is where a lot of the the best level design of the Mario series came from is that at first they were very limited and they had to be very exacting for the type of levels they were making. And it kind of makes you do the same thing, obviously not to the same extent, but um, yeah, w- w- the 15 minute timer I think is perfect because really it's not that long. You can just leave the game on that long or do a thing once in a while and you can farm everything out in a day. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It's, it's cool. It's, it's, Cool it's game. it's not a unique concept to unlock things in a video game like that, you know, keep things restricted, but I would never think to apply it to any kind of game where you're creating a level, you know, to be played yeah. by other players and stuff. Uh, it, 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 yeah, the reviewers, I don't know why they made that period of time longer for the pre-release stuff. Uh, Without or like, I I know why they did it probably, but they should have made it very clear why. Like, because like it, that was a big criticism before the game came out. Was like, well, we yeah. just really don't like being restricted that much. But uh, that's God. It looks so cool. I love the it idea really of of the hundred Mario live. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about that um, in <laughs> okay. detail. This is one of the best things about the game, actually. So. There's obviously a problem with curation in a game like this. And you can see it if you sort by star ratings. The things that people tend to like upvote quote unquote heavily yeah. are the are the gimmicky levels. They're the for for the most part, the levels that are the top rated by users on a on a star scale are the uh this level is so hard, uh Jesus, nobody can beat it, can you? That kind of thing. Or this level has a crazy gimmick where you just move along a track and you stand still and all this crazy shit happens or these items fly everywhere. They're kind of gimmicky, the, the, yeah. the ones that people tend to vote up. But it's it's honestly a a genius solution. Um, maybe it's not genius. Maybe it just turned out very well. But I'm willing <laughs> to give the credit because the... Uh, the 100 Mario thing, and, and there's also a 10 Mario thing, which I prefer to do. It's like a a very organic curation system where you just get thrown into a level. And then you can choose to give it a star or a comment when you're done. And yeah. that creates a separate curation section called up and coming. And I got to say, the up-and-coming section, more so than the actual user-rated section, are, those have the best levels. Those those have levels that are better than anything in any Mario game. They're, they're honestly great, and it's changing all the time. Because even though you'll probably play a bunch of dumb, short, gimmicky levels in these 100 Mario challenges, you get those diamonds in the rough, and you become part of the curation process organically. And that's cool. Nobody's done anything like that before. There's one thing that, or there's a few things that are missing that I I hope that they patch in somehow or something because it seems like a very simple thing to include. Uh, genres would be one that I would yeah. think. Like a level of needs, like you could you could easily that's separate true. them into themes, uh, even just a specific few themes. And it's weird that that's not an option. And uh, and apparently you yeah. can't find your friends levels very easily yeah that's uh, that's another thing i heard i haven't nobody i know has this game so i haven't tried right. it myself but i didn't yeah i didn't notice any easy way to do something like that um what i will say 
is that, uh, yeah, you can't really search for the type of level you want to play and play it very well. Yeah. But it's very, very good at exposing you to levels you didn't know you wanted to play. Sure. I mean, it's there. It's not just, I said Diamonds in the Rough. It really isn't like Needle and Haystack, Diamonds in the Rough, where it's once in a while. You do this 100 Mario or 10 Mario challenge, and, uh, you know, um, you find a lot that are really good, and it's fun to do. Some are dumb. Some are really dumb. <laughs> just, you can skip them. You can just fuck them. Why not? Sure. Uh, it's cool. It's it's so it's so cool, and I I was listening to the Mega sixty four podcast, and uh, Grant was talking about how when he first played Mario, he was just immediately drawing out possible levels and you know different designs and um, his own custom levels, and I remember doing that exact same thing when I played Super Mario World. When I was really, really little, I played the original Mario's, but, like, the first one that I really got into and played all the way through and did every bonus thing was Super Mario World. I was drawing out my own levels on graph paper, and I was, like, des- like trying to think of what would be the cool design, and, oh, I can have this go here. Like, that... This is the perfect game for, for me. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's weird to think... I would not have been able to say... Um, three months ago that Super Mario Maker is my game of the year, but it might be. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Even in, in comparison to Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, comparison to Metal Gear Solid. And you still haven't played Witcher 3. I haven't played Witcher 3 yet. <laughs> it's been a good year for video games, but as we've said before. It's the best year for video games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's, it looks so cool. And I would buy a Wii U in an instant if I was commonly hosting people over at my place or something you know yeah because it feels like that game and uh, there's uh, that and um a lot just god i don't know why i can't think of the specifics right now but a lot of nintendo games especially for the wii u have been coming out that that look like they're really fun to play in a in a group atmosphere and and uh and that one in particular just seems like such a a fun thing to have everyone involved in and, and not only like Creating a level with other people might get people might get tuned out from that, but going through that mode where you never know what you're gonna stumble yeah. across is perfect for that. You and know, it really, it really would. Li- I haven't played it with another person in the room. Um, I got it, I think, two days ago, so I haven't gotten too much into it. Um, I've yet to to play with my brother. I made sure to buy it on physical copy instead of digital because I want to take it over to his place with his Wii U and play it there. Um, it seems like it would be the perfect game for that. Yeah. But it, yeah, the the hundred Mario ten Mario challenge, it's it's like the perfect thing to just switch off every life. Um, I remember my cousins and I, uh, I was I was one of the youngest cousins of my family, so uh, there's like. 16 i was like eight or so and there's 16 18 year old kids playing super mario world and we would switch off every life and that that is one of like the defining moments of my childhood or one of the things that i remember most about being a kid yeah there's a this this game it, it it lends itself perfectly to that 
people used to play video games differently, I feel like. And maybe that's just part of, you know, growing up. Maybe a lot of kids. I, I feel like it's the, it's the same for kids these days, too, though. Not to sound like an old man. But kids these days, they don't know what they're missing when, you yeah. know, it used to be it used to be that handing off the controller thing like that used to be how you played video games just in general. Uh, and 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 not a lot of games encourage that anymore for a lot of times for good reason. It's better to have two controllers than one, you know, right. But but a lot is also lost. And, in and that. even even Mario has done the um, the crazy kooky um possibly sabotage your friends thing with new Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. But. This is it's a it's a it's a return to the roots. Yeah. It's really like what it used to be and Nintendo has always people David Wise, okay, I'm jumping all over the place. David Wise is the composer for Donkey Kong Country and uh Donkey Kong Country 2, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, all kinds of stuff. He's an incredible composer in Nintendo. No, stuff. he's no Grant Kirkhope, but I think he's better. No, I think we've, I, I think we've I had actually, this discussion. I actually think he's far better. I love okay. his music deeply. Anyway, his uh, his interview that he did, he said that Nintendo doesn't like force it, but there's a clear emphasis on nostalgia. And I think this this does the nostalgia pandering in a way that's not just like remember this level remember this thing remember this image remember this character it actually recapturing an experience yeah sure definitely uh it's it's very heartwarming i mean we we mentioned at the time but that that nintendo show whatever they called it uh before nintendo e3 right no 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 the one before e3 uh nintendo God. nintendo what was it called um I don't know. Whatever. The Would thing, it, like describe something about it. it they, they played Mario Maker. They had a bunch of famous YouTubers and bullshit like that on the on the stage, and they played Mario Maker, and and they also played Mario Kart and stuff. Uh, and they had a really heartwarming moment oh, at the N- end. Nintendo World Championship. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the second annual, I think. Uh, but they. It was kind of it was kind of a mess up until they started on uh, Mario Maker. I mean, everything was kind of to me it was just all over the place and boring and weird. Uh, but then they they pulled out Mario Maker for like the finals, and the competition was to get as far as you can through these levels that the people in the Nintendo Treehouse made, yeah. uh, and it was super exciting. It was really cool because they're playing in front of an audience, and the audience was going wild. It looked like it sounded like they were it was like a fighting game tournament or something. Like people were. <laughs> People were having a lot of fun watching these levels play out because there's so many clever things that are – they're really well-designed levels, uh, probably far and above the, the the standard that you usually get this early after the game, I'm sure, because these guys who made them have probably been doing it for a while. But uh, yeah. they – the audience was loving it, and they were. It was the perfect balance between like surprising shit to fuck you over, but giving you a chance to to escape before you know before That's, you die and stuff. Uh, you know, one of the things I noticed is that even in like the randomly pulled levels in like the hundred Mario challenge, I don't. Okay, I'll say I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know what the exact difference is between the 100 mario challenge and the 10 mario challenges they're in like different sections of the menu 
and they clearly work differently. Obviously, mm. they have a hundred versus ten, but they seem to be different types of levels, like maybe different levels of curation being pulled in. I don't know exactly, but um, even in those challenges where it's kind of random, people have basic design sensibility, even in the worst ones, that you'll have some fuck you, try to get out of this moment, but it's never overwhelming. Uh, that part of that might be this the sensibility, but the other part of it might be the fact that to actually post a level online, you have to complete it. Yeah. So um, either way, it, the effect is the same. That you get you get levels that so far, I'm sure there's going to be crazy Japanese style like fuck you, this is nearly impossible. See if you can do it, kind of level. But for the most part, they're they're not all like that. They're yeah. they're completable. They're they're levels. They're levels that a person could just play, and that's that's great. It's honestly, <laughs> yeah. great. And I I say great all the time about all kinds of stuff. But I mean, like in the actual sense of great, like a great accomplishment. They they really did something special with this. And it, it felt special when they first showed it, and and it was very special when when. They just had this moment at the end, and I'm not even going to bother explaining it. We've we've talked about it before, but that moment at the end where uh, they were giving the the winners the the signed DSs yeah. and stuff, it was just so. It, it felt like it, it it just felt very complete, and 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 this is the perfect game for to kind of end the Iwata era of Nintendo in a way. It, re- uh, it really does feel like the end. Yeah, the but the the bright side is that it it it, it isn't it probably isn't the end of of Nintendo making some great games, or I hope it isn't. That's uh, I didn't actually read all that much about the uh, the replacement that they got, but they announced that they're continuing Nintendo Directs. It seems like whatever the the direction that they're choosing to go in is fairly consistent with Iwata's vision. Yeah, which it should is, be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good game really yeah. good game yeah so that's that's good news i'm i'm glad to hear it uh it's it's it is kind of fun to watch people play that game but but i i definitely god i want to play it uh i just don't want to buy a wii u uh you should yeah, it's it's know. worth it at this point yeah. maybe i don't know maybe in a couple months it'll drop price. maybe but um, even at this price i think it's more than worth it eh, we'll see uh, I have been playing some video games of my own lately. Uh, one of them is, well, Metal Gear Solid Five, which we're not going to talk about really because I will say I'm just dis- I'm just disappointed in the FOB stuff. That's not not very fun to me. Uh, I, I I think I gave up on it when my opponent had a shotgun, and the shotgun is just ridiculous, and and it's just like oh okay they did not really balance this, and yeah, yeah. and this is shitty. So. Sad. Uh, you, they, about uh, sorry, are you talking more about Metal Gear Solid Five remove? I was gonna say they they released Metal Gear Online footage, more of it, oh. and uh, it looks interesting. I, I have no idea. I can't really judge whether it's actually gonna be fun or not because you know they all, they're always those highly scripted things where it's like look at all that you can do and all these clever ways you can defeat right. your enemy, but usually it ends up just being sprinting into the middle of the map and shoot each other with shotguns. And so I don't know how it's actually gonna work out, but. Um, what what I wanted to say 
is about upcoming content. Remember content, guys? Yeah, that's coming. Uh, so the Bloodborne review that I've been talking about for a while. Oh right. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's still coming, but I really don't feel like there's all that much to say. It's a great game, and there's all kinds of great stuff about it. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Just say that. But the Metal Gear, the Metal Gear video I'm making, I, I'm this is this is actually happening. Um, I, it's gonna come out this weekend. I'm promised that. <laughs> okay. However much that's worth, I have three thousand words done. I am reaching completion on it. It's it's. I've got. Uh, I'm dividing it into parts. There's ten parts. I finished eight parts. I've got a clear organizational structure. This is actually happening. Anyway, uh, that's coming. I think we we talked about the ending a lot, and I we also for how however stupid the beef tarred ass cast is, we talked about it at length on there too. I'm crediting everybody because at this point I don't think we we can really separate our opinions about the ending from the discussions that we've had about it. Sure. So uh, I'm I'm just I think I think there needs to be some kind of t- d- dissenting voice. Because uh, in the Young Yeah review and in the Forbes article that I read about it, people seem to be just kind of writing this ending off as, well, you love it or you hate it. It's a it's a crazy Kojima decision. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's actually bad, and I think there's real reasons to say that it's actually objectively bad. And uh, yeah, that's coming. Yeah. I just want to say that. I I. I... I was making one as well, and I actually got six minutes into it, and I've written a shit ton of of words about it. Uh, and then I I stopped and I slept on it for a few nights, and I I'm still going through the process of sorting everything out in my head about how I feel about that game story. Uh, I, I I I'll say I'm getting a little more positive about it, but that's hardly saying anything because I really really did it's, not like it. That's the thing, like. And we're not going into spoilers. You don't have to turn this podcast off yeah, if no. you haven't finished the game. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's something where over time you can see what they were going for. Sure, definitely. What, what he was going for, Hideo Kojima was going for. It didn't actually happen. It wasn't executed <laughs> properly. Yeah. And uh, I want to give a little a little teasy preview i have like t- titles of um like part one part two mm-hmm. this. i'm gonna read some of the parts some of them are spoilers but i'm not gonna go into them i'm just gonna read the parts out part two ruining big boss's character part three venom has no arc part four uh part four execution of the ending part five the twist is not a twist Part six, the meta narrative interpretation. Part seven, lack of resolution. Part eight, cause I'm already a demon. Part nine, wasted potential. This is this is gonna be yeah video. yeah that's 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 a lot of the stuff that I was gonna talk about. I, I'll tell you that I I feel like yours is probably gonna be a lot more structured than my like. I was thought a lot about how to structure mine, and I just kind of wanted to get started on it because usually when I get yeah, started on something, yeah. that's how I finish it. Uh, and so I I ended up finalizing my my structure as being I'll just chronologically go through the story <laughs> and interject in in certain places you know 
I'll, I'll talk at length about boss's character and the ending and stuff like that. Uh, and I think that, that I think that's a legitimate way to do it. But after rewatching the the, the six minutes that I edited, I <sighs> yeah, that was that was my problem too. And it was it was also a problem with uh, I don't actually I don't this is pushed shout, but I don't really care for getting off news and garbage. Um, that was my like problem with my Bloodborne review that I was writing. I I showed it to my brother. I showed the work in progress script to my brother. And he was like, this is a lot of summary and explanation. It's not, you know, you know, thoughts yeah. about it. Yeah. So I, I was very, very careful with this to try to make sure it wasn't just a summary. And there's no reason to summarize because the only people yeah. who are going to be watching it and exactly. caring are people who exactly. know what happened. It, so I, that's one thing that I would need to go back and change if I do end up completing it, which eh, I'll probably watch yours and see if, if see how similar your opinions are to mine, which we had some pretty They're pretty major disagreements. But but for the, I think the big stuff we do agree on pretty much exactly. So uh, I I don't I don't actually talk about part one all that much or chapter one all that much. So if yeah you you've probably you that's most like of what my edited together content is about really? is, is just the first chapter part. one. Yeah, I, I think chapter one was brilliant. Yeah, well that's we the thing is that it. I start out pretty positive <laughs> because chapter one was brilliant and I, I loved it. Uh, it made me really excited and and then. And such lust, such lust for revenge. Yeah, I, I, I was having fun all the way through the first story. Looking back in retrospect, after finishing it, I don't like it very much. Uh, yeah. But but that doesn't detract from the fact that I did like it at the time, uh, and I right. still have issues with you know issues with the characters and stuff, including including uh, including Skullface and and the lack of you know. Zero was really, zero really being part yeah. of the narrative, except that's more of like an overall arc kind of thing. But uh, like that was one of the weirdest things. Like in Metal Gear Solid Four, when they make Zero into the ultimate villain of the whole series, yeah, like he was old in Metal Gear I, I, Solid Three. He was yeah. old. He was an old man. It was but just he's... weird to think of him becoming this supervillain, and he it... doesn't. But, and I thought yeah. that's what it was going to be about. Like, of course, I thought that's what it was going to be about because that's what Metal Gear yeah. Solid Four. And, you know, we could, and we could talk about. Four. And we could talk about Metal Gear yeah, all night, won't. but we, we won't. won't. But I, I do. I, I, I will say, I, uh, if I were to do this video, I'd pretty much have to scrap what I have and restart because it's it's a little bit yeah. too much summary and 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 I, I might still do the chronological order stuff, but I would have to change how I go about it. But I. I found out that as I thought about, as I started writing more and more, I, I, I realized it really, what it comes across as is complaining about little things. Yeah. But that's, I but was, that's I was one careful. Of the, I was careful. I, I knew that that was going to be an issue. It's so and, hard to avoid that though, because yeah. the little things are one of the biggest issues with the game, you know, it, like yes. it's the issues with the little things that add up and, and don't, don't create a cohesive, like I, that's, that's the, <laughs> so it's hard to balance it's tough. I don't think I, neither of us can do as good a job as Mr. B-Tongue did with Mass Effect 3's ending. You saw the video, right? No, I, I and I haven't okay. seen. You know, I haven't played through Mass Effect 3 or anything, so I don't know if I'd have proper context. I know well, the ending. I, but... I won't. Yeah, okay, you know the ending. Anyway, yeah. So he has in his video about the Mass Effect 3 ending, he talks about a loss of narrative cohesion. And there's this part where he's talking about little issues like, well, why did Shepard do this at this point? Mm -hmm. And what he's talking about, he made an 
the best the best argument he has ever made on his channel period is that narrative cohesion thing he he does it brilliantly he has the text narrative cohesion on the screen <laughs> and what he does is he starts asking a lot of little questions and every time he asks one of those little questions he puts the text of the question on the screen and at first it only like slightly covers up the words narrative cohesion <laughs> but he keeps saying them super fast and editing them together and those little questions they pile up and they eventually like hundreds of them pop up or maybe it's just dozens it feels like hundreds the way he presents it but those little questions wind up obscuring narrative cohesion completely to the point where you can't even read it yeah that rhetorically is brilliant um it's the best thing he's ever done it's better than anything i've ever done like (laughs) yeah i i i started you know i started thinking about how other video reviewers have, have done Things that, that have similar issues, and, and I, I think the most obvious comparison to Metal Gear Solid Five, in my opinion, to trying to review Metal Gear Solid Five is uh, trying to review the Star Wars prequels with Plinkett, where, <laughs> ag- again, a, a large that, issue... Yes! That, I was thinking that when I was writing part part one, I was thinking of one. it in, in Mr. Plinkett's voice. Yeah, I, Go on. I, but part of the issue, so, you know, he has to tackle the same problem that we have to tackle, which is... A big problem with Star Wars prequels is little things that are going to sound really nitpicky when you start talking about them, but you have to talk about them because they are important. Uh, yeah. But the only really reason that he gets away with it is because he's really good at at making it comedic, and yeah. and and that's yeah. that's what keeps you engaged and that's what makes you agree with him naturally is because he makes you he makes you laugh. I can't make you laugh that way, you know. I cannot. I don't have the comedic writing skills. Or, or narration skills to do that. So I, I, I had to just give up on, on trying to do that. And 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 I, I just haven't given enough thought. I, I, I kind of just put the thing aside and said, I'll give it a couple weeks to stew. And I'll let, yeah. I'll let Mike hopefully finish his video. And, maybe, and, and then I'll figure out if I want to do anything. So. <laughs> yeah, this one, I mean, from, if I remember right, that 2014 year in review video was about... Uh, like 20 minutes long or so. Yours was and, pretty long, yeah. Yeah, and that was about 2,500 words. This is 3,000 words. It's going to be longer than that. It's going to be fairly comprehensive. I don't know. I. It's funny. I've written jokes in. I mean, there's jokes. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's it's not like Star Wars where anybody can watch it and, and laugh at it. Definitely, you know? yeah. Yeah. It's it's for people who have played Metal Gear and who care about it and understand it. And I don't know. I just so I mean we did we did a three hours of podcast ourselves, and then on Beastard Ascast, as dumb as it usually is, we did an hour of actual discussion about the ending. Four combined hours of me talking about this game. I don't think I'm going to say that much that's new that I haven't already said, but. I think that this has to exist in some organized way. This argument has to be laid out by someone other than like a, a commenter saying yeah. something on a forum. This is a really bad ending, and somebody has to explain why. Yeah, I, I, that's that was my logic too because I feel like I feel like most people say 
about the ending, they say, oh, well, it's Kojima. And about the story, they say, yeah, it had issues because of Konami, but it still felt like Metal Gear to me. Yeah. I'm like, what? I, that, that's just so polar opposite of how I felt. And, and I, 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 that's, that is why I wanted to create a, a video, too, is because I knew a lot of people would hate it because mm-hmm. they're going to disagree with it. But uh, I hope that some people will you know look at it and, and think more critically about things like this because I feel like I hate to dismiss stuff as fanboyism, but that's what I feel. I feel like people – it's such a good game and it's so well executed – that people just don't even bother really actually thinking about the the story element makes, of it. It makes this <coughs> like has been the yeah, case right, on but... many other push to shouts. I'm coming down with some sickness, but that's yeah, that's the I had forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it's it's yeah. I'm. Oh, yeah, wait, hold on. I'd what like to do a video. Say? But... What did you just say? Uh. Well, now I've forgotten because I was already thinking about the next thing. Something about fanboys. fanboys. Yeah, fanboyism. How people 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 like Metal Gear Solid Five's story because they're not thinking about it because the rest of the game is so good and because it's so well executed. Yeah. Or well executed, okay. not well executed as a whole, but well executed from a from a very micro on a micro scale. You know, the the cutscenes are well done. Oh, yeah. Uh, but God. This isn't this isn't me remembering what I was about to say. That's never going to happen. But it's gone. Uh, the yeah that the story failure is so impressive because of how good the rest of everything else is. Yeah, I, that that's why it needs to be talked about. Yeah, I I yeah I I know there's going to be some stuff that maybe I'll create like a small video response to yours or something like that because I know there's going to be stuff that I actually do disagree with you on. But probably uh, I, I don't talk about I don't really talk about chapter one all that much. Yeah. So there probably we'll see. won't be all that much. But yeah, uh, I, can, I can see you disagreeing with some things. But uh, the, one of the one of the biggest points, and I, this is less about Metal Gear Solid Five and more about stories in general. And who knows, push a shout, whatever. I guess we're talking about. Uh, the fiction theory at this point, but a story, a good story should feel unbudgeably right. Like everything should, should feel like it was the way it had to happen. That everything was, it's not like faded. It's not like the characters didn't have control over what they were doing, but the events and the choices that people made it should feel like there was no other way for it to go. And Metal Gear Solid Five story feels like the polar opposite of that. It feels like there's infinite points where you can say, well, why did this guy do that? Why didn't they just do this? Or what, what was the point of blank? And, you know... Why are Ocelot and Snake cool with each other at the beginning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's enough for Metal Gear Solid Five for now. But there's more. Yeah. Just uh, keep Yeah, there, uh, that's uh, that'll be that'll be fun to watch. I, I'm looking forward to your video. So please please complete it this weekend. Please yeah, live I'm, up to I'm, your promise. I'm uh, I'm excited to uh to actually release a fucking video. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I don't end up doing a Metal Gear Solid video, then to fill the pit of non creativity in my soul, I will either create a video or article 
about The Witcher Three, and I need to complete the game first. <laughs> I still haven't completed it, okay. but I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to get some thoughts out about Witcher Three for a long time now, and I can't wait to to get down. Actually, I would probably compare it to the Elder Scrolls. I actually feel bad about this because <laughs> I feel bad because when we when we started doing the podcast. You had over thirteen thousand subscribers, mm-hmm. and after we started doing the podcast, you had I lost, less than thirteen. I lost hundreds. Yeah, I lost hundreds. I, yeah, I don't <laughs> think that's entirely the podcast fault. I think a lot of that is. I, I think YouTube calls like uh, yeah. bot accounts and, yeah, and dead accounts and stuff like that, and then I, I haven't done shit to gain new subscribers. Uh, yeah. So I guess so. Yeah, I, I I I don't put a lot of. Oh god, every fucking podcast, my phone does this. Shut up. Doesn't matter. Um, I, so yeah, I I don't put enough effort into my YouTube channel to maintain subscribers. I, so, I I'd like to, but speaking eh, free of time. the ego thing, so to the people listening, you obviously wouldn't be aware of this, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were supposed to do the podcast on a Tuesday, and I was moving into college and doing stuff, and I I just didn't I couldn't do it that day, so I delayed it, and they said, hey, skip, hey. I know that we're delaying this, but I got a story that's going to stroke your ego. And I've got that story hot off the presses tonight. So I was... Well, not hot off the presses. Cold off the presses. (laughs) Lying in the corner. This is a chilly story. Okay. Uh, I I was sitting at a table waiting for an event to start. And this guy that I've known since freshman year of college... He comes up to me, and he says, "Hey, Skippy." <laughs> I said, "What?" And then, and I started. I started talking to him. I mean, I I know him pretty well. I think he listens to the show. Um, <laughs> Shout out! But but he says, he says, uh, "Yeah, I've been I've been watching Skippy Sigmatic forever," and. I I see this podcast and and you're on and it's like weird. Anyway, <laughs> that's cool. That's, so you have neat. you have fans in the real world. In the real like world, uh, yeah. I, there's um. I've I've met a Skippy Sigmatic fan. I have also you met a Skippy I Sigmatic have, fan. I have okay. met one uh, at Auburn. I was eating lunch with a, a friend at, at one of the you know food food halls, and this guy came up and said, "Skippy," and I said. <laughs> Who who are you? And um, I thought like my initial reaction was not at all because like <laughs> I, when I'm in real when I'm in the real world right, exactly. talking to my real world friends, the internet it's isn't so even weird. there. It's and, so weird. And when someone said Skippy, I thought this is someone who's my real name Skip or or what people call me is Skip. And so I thought it was someone making because some people say Skippy is like a joke. I thought it was like, are you like a childhood friend that I don't remember or something? <laughs> and 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 then he he finally said. I don't remember exactly what he said, but but he established that that he'd seen me on YouTube or Twitter or whatever, and uh, and I was like, oh cool. And my friend was like, what the hell? He knew that I I like had some followers online, but he was like totally weirded out by that. Like not like not like a weird way. Like that's really weird. I I'm cool with people approaching me. By the way, it's it's cool if you see me in public, you can say hi. But uh, it was <laughs> it, it was weird for him because he's like. I did not expect that to happen. I was like, yeah, I didn't either. That that was the first time, the only time that anyone has has approached me. I have seen I have seen people say that they have seen me uh like around. Like I've got a few I've got fans in Birmingham and Auburn, you know. So 
they they do see me every once in a while, but that, that's the only one that's ever had the balls, the balls to approach me. Uh, so that was. I, I also met some fans when we went to PAX East with a bad feeling and everyone, but that was more of like right. general fans of a bad feeling and Kraken and all that, and so it, it didn't feel quite as personal. Hey, Kraken psychic. Hey, <laughs> yeah, dude. that guy streams those Kraken. Kraken videos, yeah. huh? Uh, so it, it that was that's it's it's weird. It's weird. I also saw someone watching. Um, a video that I was in. I don't remember if it was in a bad feeling or a Kraken video, but I, I think it was in the library or something. And I, I looked over someone's shoulder and they were watching a video and I was like, oh, it, there I am. Were my video game self in that video. That was kind of cool. Uh, so, interesting. Your video game self. My video game persona. Uh, why, didn't you, why didn't you just say, hey, I'm in that? I didn't want to talk to some guy you're while I was in the cool, library. You're bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the podcast basically the podcast is blowing up, and everyone everyone knows about it. Tell your friends. The pie show. Uh, talk to your friends about us. Uh, anyway, it's cool. I I was you know okay. So we're coming up on fifty two, which is a year. We're coming up on. Mm-hmm. We haven't missed. Uh, we might have missed one week. Uh, well, yeah, we have. I, I thought about this. I thought about this. So we have exactly one week time shift. I don't know. Right now it's two days time shift. Two days, yeah, because Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. So but I feel s- like there, there was a week that you were gone, and I recorded something on my yeah, own, and I don't bonus, remember if we bonus ever. bonus episode. It was 32.5 yeah. the episode that you did. Um, but 33 was a, a canon Brutal Compatter episode. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we've been coming at you live for a year now, and I, I was considering, and maybe we can talk about this, I was considering doing, like, a legit season two push to shout, because I, I really mm. like, I, I like the intro on YouTube, I like streaming it directly to YouTube without yeah, the stupid the Google Hangout, values. yeah, the Google Hangout garbage that sucked, and mm-hmm. now it's great, and it's awesome, um, you know, the, some of the like early days. If you, I went back and listened to some of the early podcasts when we were, um, like, hey, uh, this week it's, uh, I'm your host, Brutality and Patter, and uh, joining me tonight is uh, Scoopy Zabrak. They were hey, glory days. Yeah, the glory days. But I think, I think we got a good thing. I think we got a good thing going. It's fun. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's weird. It's, you know, Penn and Teller. The, have you heard of them like talking about um, the the way that they work? Penn no. and Teller they they barely ever talk or or do anything outside of their show and practicing for their show, which is essentially how how we do it. I mean, I, I don't talk to you all that much outside no, yeah. of push shot, but what we get is like, and what the viewers get is uh, like a hour hour and a half long catch up session. And it's, yeah. it's cool. It's, it's a cool show. I, I think we have a legitimately entertaining, informative, insightful show. Yeah, and that's how I, I would wrap up the yeah. push shout push well, shout podcast. We're gonna bring it. We're gonna bring it to you. We're gonna we're gonna make this. We're gonna put this show on the map. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I would. I think that it would be a good idea to to try to make it like some kind of like look. Season two is. <laughs> better than season one didn't like it us before it, now we're better it, it would be it would be it yeah, is going to be better definitely uh, and that's just a matter of getting better at doing a podcast but yeah speaking of podcasts okay so we didn't do the whole what did you do this week thing at the beginning of this episode i got into a podcast the ricky gervais show 
starring oh, really? Ricky Gervais and hmm. Stephen Merchant and Carl Pilkington. I've seen the clips. Everybody's seen the clips at yeah. this point of the animated people doing the things. But um, my brother showed me like a, a bona fide episode straight through. And it's a really good show. Um, Ricky Gervais obviously is kind of an edge lord. But There's he's pros act- and cons to Ricky he's, Gervais. Ricky Gervais is sometimes dumb and edgy and is like, well, you know, uh, evolution is true. Fuck these fundies. But sometimes he's... It goes for the le- easy intellectual legit- points. Yeah. Um, but he's he's legitimately funny. But Carl Pilkington is the real the real highlight of that yes, show. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, I was surprised by how similar he was to Kappa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we I, need to bring Kappa on. What, Maybe that'll be like the last episode of season one. No, that'll, <laughs> that'll be the last episode of the show, period. Once we get Kappa on, this show is fucking dead. Like, yeah. I, we'll, we'll have it. Okay, so having Kappa on the mumble every day is just... You don't. You get tired of that. <laughs> you get tired of just the constant retardism all the time. But because you can take it in bite-sized chunks with Carl Pilk, Carl Pilkington. Anyway, Ricky Gervais show. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> Carl Pilkington is really entertaining because unlike Kappa. He doesn't just give up the stupid points that he makes. He, like, extends the fantasy logic yes. out to its last possible <laughs> thread. You can, you can, you, what he does is he opens up these glimpses into this very clear image he has yeah. in his head of the world that is not at all how the world actually yeah. is. But you don't get the full thing just all at once. It's just like, you just get a glimpse where it's like, does he really think that? And then he keeps talking about it and you're like, oh my god. He's got it all figured out, but it's all wrong. <laughs> like I, I was just listening to the one where he was talking about um, like chimpanzees and humans being similar to each other. Yeah. And uh, Ricky Gervais said, "Did you know that? Did you know that humans and chimpanzees are ninety eight point six percent similar to each other genetically?" And Spot Carl Pilk- Charles Pilking Charles Pilkington, goddammit. <laughs> Carl Pilkington goes, "Our that that other two percent must be the ass because." <laughs> That looks way different, doesn't it? <laughs> like, he just gets super literal. Yes, he does. And it, it's so funny. I am glad you're watching that because that's that is actually one of my favorite things like to it's listen good. to. I'm glad you actually reminded me of it because I've kind of forgotten about it recently because I've been listening to so many other podcasts. But uh, I, I have I have listened to a lot of that between their XM shows and their podcasts. Yeah. Not not just like clips on YouTube, but like longer bits of yeah, you know yeah. them compiled together and stuff. But uh, that caught you know, and. Uh, my first thought is good too. My fr- yeah, my first thought when I when I saw that show was why is this animated? This would be so much better if you could actually see them doing it. I've but never then, liked it when they then, animate the, the audio then stuff. Then I realized. Then I realized that that bit that they show at the start where they're in the studio and then they become animated. That's yeah. not how they actually recorded it. The show was adapted from a series of audiobooks that were adapted from the XM show. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't actually a re- a live action thing that they could show you. Um, but, but yeah, I, I kind of wish that you could see them actually talking because yeah, uh, yes even, even no, though I... the, some of the some of the comedic bits that they show where they animate the literal interpretation of whatever they're saying, that's funny. It's great, but you kind of you kind of wish that you could see 
what Carl was was looking like. As but you can totally imagine things. it once you if you, you can. if you yeah, watch you enough of him and the stuff that is that is live action, you can totally imagine what face he's making to, like yeah, to a it's team. Kind of, it's this kind of it. You can't see me, but they can. Yeah. <laughs> he looks dumbfounded all the time. Kids <laughs> 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 does. Anyway. <laughs> I I yeah I love Carl uh, and he's it's funny because he'll 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 reach moments of genuine like genius but it's so unintentional yeah uh, somebody somebody mentioned uh, on our mumble that Kappa is just like Carl Pilkington no Kappa is not never smart. Kappa never Carl, reaches Carl, any moments of genius Carl Pilkington does get to those moments where it's like. Wow, that is incredibly funny. I it, never thought of anything that funny in my life. Yeah, he's genuinely funny. Like he actually tries to be funny, but you don't really know when he's trying to make a joke and when it's just him. Yeah. Uh, or you get the impression that that is just him. Is that he? He knows he's being funny, it. but he's but it's still just him. When uh, you think about it, every noise ever has already been used <laughs> five times. Like, he gets so specific about these yep. fantasy scenarios. The and monkey news is is phenomenal. Have you have you listened to the monkey yeah, news? Yeah, that's oh my god! This is the, like it's a it's a genuinely winning comedy formula. Not that you could just emulate it and it would be as good, but yeah. he he does something that's just generates endless comedy, which is to to take some stupid scenario. And what he does is he stretches out. The, he gets really logical about it, despite how dumb he is, mm-hmm. or maybe just p- pretends to be or seems to be. He stretches the logic out as far as it can possibly go, and gets as close and specific to the things that he's joking about as you possibly can. And it's it's so funny, <laughs> like him talking about how exactly a baby would emerge from an elderly person after they die like <laughs> nobody else would do that it's so good yeah it is i and i i do think like some people really 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 hate ricky gervais and i understand it but i do think he's oh, legitimately yeah. funny like he's not he doesn't bother me to listen to or anything uh he's 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 funny and he 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 knows exactly how to pick uh, or he sets carl up constantly yes and he's yes, really okay. good at it that was that was this show is what made me finally appreciate that ricky gervais is a genius and oh, it's he's not a smart because, dude it's not because he's an atheist it's not because he's super smart and it's not because he's an atheist and it's not because he's super funny but he is a genius producer that is what he made his career on with the office and all that kind of thing he the way he asks carl pilkington questions is he knows exactly what to say to get the other guy to say something brilliantly funny. Like, uh, he's, he's perfect at that. He, he knows how to produce comedy. Yeah. And if we're, if we're talking about, uh, uh, comedic podcasts, one that I actually, I haven't like gotten into it, but I've seen, I've seen a couple episodes on YouTube. Uh, you kind of have to watch this one, I feel like, but it's, uh, it's the Norm Macdonald podcast. And Norm Macdonald, Norm Macdonald is a weird comedian. Norm Macdonald is my black sheep because I saw him in Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. Oh, you didn't in Jack see and Jack Jill and Jill? the movie? Yeah, God. he Ugh. he dated 
Jill. He went on a date with yeah. Adam Sandler as Jill. Yeah. I okay. I, I'll let you tell your thing. But um, Michael on our mumble, the Israeli guy, he like loves Norm Macdonald. I have never met anyone who likes Norm Macdonald this much. <laughs> and when we watched Jack and Jill together, he 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 was like on the verge of tears. Like. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. Norm uh, Norm has a very weird sense of humor, obviously, and and it's it's I think it's really hit or miss, mostly because he doesn't he doesn't necessarily meld well with most people, most other comedians. So like when he's doing bits with people, a lot of the time it just totally falls flat uh, because they just don't get it. They don't get what he's trying to put down yeah. at all. And uh, and he but he does like a, a podcast kind of. He calls it a podcast. It is a podcast, I guess. Uh, but but you can watch the episodes on YouTube, and he is a really really he does, he gets legitimate very very famous people like Larry King and stuff to be on the actual on on the podcast that he interviews, and uh, and he he has this just weird like he's very good at deadpan humor where he keeps a straight face yeah. and says something very funny. But but the thing about his deadpan humor is that it's not it, you don't get the joke at first at all, and 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 it doesn't seem like he's telling a joke. And yeah. either either he just stays silent for a while and you realize it's a joke, or the next thing he says is kind of like the punchline almost, but only because it sets up what he's like it's just it's really it's yeah. it's a really unique form of comedy and and uh I think anyone will at least be able to appreciate Norm if you watch the if you look up like Norm YouTube Red Carpet or something like that. Uh there was this YouTube show that they put on a couple years ago and it was it was YouTube celebrities accepting awards or something like that. And they, they had this red carpet show going on and they got two nobodies. Or I call them nobodies. I'm sure they're very famous on YouTube uh, to host it along with Norm MacDonald. And uh, Norm shows up in, in this like sweatshirt and sweatpants and just doesn't go by the script at all and fucks with these other hosts like in the, just the worst, most... Oh God! You feel you feel kind of bad for them because they just they don't stand a chance against his just constant like he brings up Hitler at one point and starts talking about how if he says everybody says that they they'd go it's, back in time and kill Hitler. It sounds a lot like um, Joel McHale at that really awkward Game Awards thing. Remember? Yeah, that? a little where bit. He was a like, little bit. Where he's like an actual comedy actor. Just dealing with these people who are not in the same league. I feel like he was putting more effort in than Norm is. Oh, the thing about Norm yeah. is that Norm's just like, yeah, he brings up Hitler and says, I wouldn't, I don't think I would fucking... kill Hitler because I think that I'd just be, I, I would fall into his, 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 his spell. I, 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 knowing me, he says, he said, he literally says, knowing me, I joined the, join the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other hosts are just kind of like, huh. And, um, and 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 then they get a comedian to come on there. One of the hosts is dressed like a hipster, and you can just imagine just just picture a hipster, and the comed- the the host is dressed like that. The comedian comes on and says, "You look like you're dressed like Harry Potter's accountant." <laughs> and I thought that was like the sickest burn. <laughs> it's just so simple. Anyway, him shitting on SNL while being a guest host on SNL mm-hmm. was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, so. Look up, look up. I, I don't think there's a bad episode of the of the Norm podcast, and I think you in particular would really appreciate it because it's it's just such a it's a fucked up sense of humor. Uh, but uh, I'm calling you fucked up. Uh, oh my god! This is a podcast about video games. Wow. 
And uh, I played and finished The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. On Unreal Engine 4? On the Unreal Engine 4, which it came out. Did you play it before? No. Really? Is your first time playing Ethan Carter? Yes. Okay. I remember talking about this game and raving about it. when You said it was very good. I said I'd play it, and I finally played it. Uh, What did you think? I I, I liked it a lot. Um, I, it was good. It was really good. It didn't try to be anything that it wasn't. It just it told a nice little story, and it told it well, and it did really, really interesting things through telling that story, uh, or in order to tell that story. And and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. It's it's short and sweet. Well, sweet. <laughs> it's a little bit dark, but but it's 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 a nice package and. Uh, and I, I, I liked it. I don't think anyone could dislike it. It's just unless you, unless you just hate walking simulators. I have to replay it on Unreal Engine Four because I imagine that makes it. Um... I don't. I wouldn't know because I haven't played the original. It. I would. I. Based on what I've seen of the original, it seems like it's pretty similar. It, I mean, it doesn't w- look all yeah, that different. Yeah, but the the way it's presented is so good mm-hmm. that I, I'm. I would play it again, even for a slight improvement. I love the design of the little area they created. It's so, it's really, it, it reminds me of Dark Souls yeah. a lot, actually. Uh, not not in the aesthetic, but in the in the efficient and and logical design. It 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 makes sense the way you move yeah. through it, but it doesn't feel completely like, linear. There's, there's a part where you go, you have to go up the mountain to get to the church. Mm-hmm. And there are actually different ways you can take to get there. There's yeah. a path and another path, but it never feels like, I don't know, it It never, whenever you start to go down a dead end, you kind of get the sense that you're going down a dead end without yeah. it, like having I caught up clearly a stop you. A couple times I did get caught up like, oh, well, I have to check down that, that way to see if there's anything there. And But yeah. but for the most part, it's not a big enough world for that to, to matter. Yeah, and uh, I guess we'll, this is a minor spoiler. Um, the, the Cthulhu stuff, the yeah. Lovecraftian... Thing. I don't think that's a... Well, yeah. Uh, sure, I mean, it it's an old enough game. I'm willing to talk yeah, about it. Minor it's just spoiler. Like, it's just like you find out very quickly that there's some crazy shit yes, happening. Yes, you find out there's crazy shit happening, and my thought almost immediately was this is a lovecraft story Mm. but it was it was so much more and so much better than that yeah it wasn't just a look at the crazy lovecraftian secret of this place it was it was a good story it was a an actual story Mm -hmm. that was told well and, and told in a video it, game way, like an effective yes, video game the, way. The fact, the fact that it's a video game isn't like a gimmick. It's not a video game. You couldn't tell story. the story outside of yes, yeah, exactly. It would be or it would be stupid. It would be like one of those was, uh, Oscar bait, was, like Life of Pi kind of things. Yes, this was not a pretentious Oscar bait game award bait game. No, that this was a legitimately good story that was told and told best by the video game medium. And that's great. That's great to see. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it a whole lot. I, I I would recommend it to anyone. And and uh, 
Yeah, the Unreal Engine 4, the only time that I think I've noticed where I would say, like, ah, this is probably a lot better than the original is uh, when you go down into, into like, the underground section. There's just a part where there's a light on, like, a minecart, and the way that the light is... is okay, so I heard that they changed that section of the game substantially for the Unreal Engine 4 version. Again, I wouldn't know. Uh, there's a part... That was the biggest gameplay disappointment for me playing oh. through it was um trying to avoid those those things down there. At first it was super super scary, but then it 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 felt really mechanical and dry and dumb. Uh, Yeah, that that happened to me once and then okay. and then I never saw another one. Really? Yeah. Like you only it, saw one? I yeah. Wow. And I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe I got lucky. They, they must have, they must have really changed it substantially. Yeah. The way that the way that it worked, and maybe this is a spoiler. I don't know what the game currently exists now, <laughs> but the original way that it happened was there were several sections. You have to find certain bodies yeah. in the mine, which I assume you still have to do. Yeah. But there were that many spirits walking no, around. No. No. And there's like six spirits in each section, like is patrolled by a different spirit and you have to get to the bodies and it was kind of tedious and kind of dumb. Are you saying that that's not how it currently is? So what is? happened to me is it surprised the hell out of me because up to that point it was just a wa- empty walking simulator. And yeah, no I way go you down lose. and I hear a noise and I'm like, that's the first time I've heard like a that, distinct that noise. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and then I see like lights reflecting off of the thing and I'm going, there's something coming this way and then I see it and it sees me. And uh, I was like, "Holy shit! That that was a cool moment." And then after that happened, it like respawned me back at the beginning of that little section, and uh, and I didn't see him again. So really? I think it, I think after that happens, it just doesn't happen again. Or or maybe I managed to just maybe there's only one, and I just avoided him by through luck. Uh, my, the disappointing that, thing about yeah. that section to me was that it ended up not really being a puzzle. I thought it was a puzzle, and it wasn't. And that and that and what you just said explains why I thought that because obviously in the original game, the whole gimmick part of that sequence is avoiding those guys and when you take them out you're just you're just running so. around looking at bodies um so yeah that's weird i'll have to play it to actually form an opinion about it but yeah that that whole section was like i don't know i i liked it overall i gotta say that there was actual tension where yeah. you, when you would go into a new part of the mine it's like i have to I have to be careful. I have to listen carefully and see if there's a, a lantern clanking in the background. And I have to, I have to go around the corner slowly. And if I see a light, oh, I'm gonna duck down here. And I gotta wait. And oh, I didn't actually have to wait, but I was just scared. That was cool. Um, did they re- they remove that entirely? You say? I don't know. Or maybe I just got spotted really quickly, and you're not supposed to get. Pot- I don't know. Maybe it was a glitch. I have no idea. I, I didn't get spotted until I intentionally tried to get spotted. Yeah, I, I don't saw, know. I saw the guy walking by, and then I ducked behind a corner, and then he kind of phased out. And then uh, I I wondered like, okay, there's nothing else in this game that's like an actual death condition. I want to see what what happens if you do this. And yeah. I intentionally caught, and then it does like a jump scare thing. And then after that, I, f- I failed accidentally um, once or twice, and then that that happened again. I don't know. It was it wasn't happened. it wasn't a great it wasn't a great sequence. It was p- one of the worst parts of the game. But, but it, it, that is a neat game, it and still it still sounds better than what they changed. It, it, it does constantly surprise you throughout. Oh yeah, uh, which oh, is yeah. really cool. It keeps you it keeps you 
it, it doesn't like the first crazy thing happens and you're like oh okay this game's crazy but then uh, kind of crazy stuff keeps happening and it always it's always unique and surprising it's just really cool um yeah it like the, cra- the crazy lot, stuff the, happens the design of it the crazy stuff happens but it doesn't just keep escalating the crazy shit it's just it, it finds a way it finds a way to bring the crazy shit back and make it grounded in a story about a kid and a family yeah it's 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 very well done um and yeah it reminded me a lot of mist which i kind of want to play through again there's like a 3d version of mist that i that i think would be fun to play through i, I did it on a stream and it was it was fun so that's cool um the thing that you said about the monster segues into the next game that I've been playing, which is Alien Isolation. Uh, I've heard so much about this game. What do you think? Uh, I have very clear thoughts on this game. Uh, number one, it is very cool exploring spaceships or space station or whatever designed the way, like to a T, how it looks in Alien, the movie. Uh, it's a very cool design. It's it's retro futurism with like, you know, uh, CRT monitors and 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 very simple computer graphics, and it, it's just really neat having that fully realized in a in a good looking video game. Uh, and so that's that's fun to just kind of explore the world and 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 be in that 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 setting. Uh, the horror elements are effective. It's really it's really intense having to hide from the alien and, and uh, it, it gets your heart rate up and, and it, it's, it's intense. It's a very intense game. It does exactly what it's trying to do. Uh, I've heard it's very long though. And I already feel like I've gotten my fill of the game part of the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because it, there's only so many times you hide from an alien in a locker before you just start saying okay what i I read and maybe this isn't actually true of how the game works but what i read is that yes it's easiest to hide in the locker and wait for it to go away but what you're meant to do is sort of keep slinking along and avoiding it actively it forces you to you know you have to get from point a to point b and there is an alien in between those points like you're gonna have to make some very very last second like jump behind a table kind of things like to avoid him. Sometimes he just gets you and there's not much you could do about it, which is frustrating, but you know, that's, that's how you keep the tension up. Uh, but that is, that is what the gameplay is, or at least in this part of the game, which is, I've been playing for a while and that is what it is. You know, you, you, you hide constantly and, uh, it's slow moving, but tense and doing that for a long time is just exhausting in a bad way. Uh, I, 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 it, it would be really good if those were smaller sequences in the game. But it's like, like you'll basically you'll enter like a section of the space station, and uh, it'll have some hallways and branching rooms and all that stuff. And oh, the aliens in this section with me. Okay, so you know I need to get here and then here and then here to complete these objectives. And you avoid the alien, and you finally get to the end of the sequence. And you open the door and you're going, oh, I made it. Finally. And you go down a hallway and open a door and here's another section. And guess what? The alien is here. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Oh, and you just, it's just so unrelenting. And, and, uh, that's, that's a little much for me. And I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to complete the game just because it's like, I don't want to play it 
I don't want to play that constantly. Um, okay. And I, I know for a fact that the game opens up a little bit gameplay wise uh, towards the end, but I've heard it is a very long game and I don't know if I'm willing to even wait for that to happen. So, but it's, it's well done. It's cool. Uh, I got it for really cheap and I've already gotten my money's worth of it because it's such a, it's such a well done, you know, that's a genre of itself and it's such a well done execution of that genre. Uh, I haven't played a lot of those kinds of games. I never even played amnesia. Um, so it's, it's neat. I'm glad I'm playing it, but eh, I don't think I can finish it. Uh, trying to think if there's other, I feel like there's at least one other game that I've been playing other than rocket league. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Speaking of amnesia, uh, have you heard about Soma? Yes, Soma seems Soma seems like it might be neat. Might be. Or I don't really know enough about it. I know that it's by the uh, amnesia people. Mm-hmm. But what's the deal? Um, what platforms? I think it might be only on PC, but I'm not really? sure. Really, I brought up, right now. I brought up Soma without knowing a lot about Soma. Just, just putting that out yeah. there right now. <laughs> uh, but it'll be out in like a few days, and uh, oh, it's not out yet. No, and okay. um, people are pretty excited for it. I think. I think it's 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 there's a lot of hype, and um, and it, it it I need to play through Amnesia because I I've had it for the longest time, and I've just I feel like I've seen got, so much of the game. I got through. bored of Amnesia. Yeah, I feel like I would I also started playing it, but I I just got bored. I feel like kind of the same thing would happen where I'm playing Alien, and it's just like I don't want to avoid this monster again. Um, so I don't know, and I, I, Soma seems like it's probably going to be more of that. Uh, so, yeah. but it seems like from what I know of like the setting, which is. Uh, I think it's retrofuturism, kind of like the alien stuff, and and uh, and it deals with a lot of like sci-fi philosophical oh, okay. stuff, uh, which is I that that that's that right up my alley. Me, yeah, it interests me way more than amnesia's yeah. gothic yeah, the, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will say what I've seen on Twitter of they've been posting these like they've been saying like. Soma's coming out in six days. In the meantime, uh, ponder this philosophical thing. And then they'll post something that's like, uh, it'll say like, uh, someone's fighting off or hitting a robot with a wrench and the robot is, is pleading for its life. And, and it seems to be in a great deal of pain. Uh, and he says, don't worry. It's just a robot. It's just programmed to react like that. And then the next paragraph says someone is beating a cat with a wrench and the cat seems to be in distress and pain. Uh, and the guy says, don't worry. It's the animal is just programmed to react like that. And that's like your philosophical thing. And it's like, that's so, I hate to sound elitist and pretentious, but that is so basic and just up, like on the nose. It's a, I don't know. I, this is, I think has been a growing problem and Metal Gear Solid five to bring it up again <laughs> showed it in the ugliest purest form people who have legitimate ideas that are good just spoiling it in trailers and pre-release promotional yeah. stuff like a fucking adam sandler comedy trailer um that's that's a legitimate philosophical question that has been raised by all kinds of different sci-fi things most notably yeah. 2001 a space odyssey mm-hmm. where it's like well, 
when you program something so sophisticated that it accurately, quote-unquote, feels human emotions, is it really so different? Can you can you think of it as just completely artificial? It doesn't seem that way. It's begging for its life, all that kind of stuff. But what makes 2001 so great is that it just shows it to you. You just watch yeah. it happen. You don't see the and characters a, talking see, to each other and saying, you don't, it's, yeah. like it's, it's like it's alive. Can we kill it? Exactly. And that's just exactly. So, so you don't see Stanley, Stanley Kubrick didn't tweet on his <laughs> 1961 Twitter graph. He didn't tweet, hey, uh, what's the deal with artificial intelligence? Yeah, yeah. Like, people... I don't know. And that's not the only one I've seen. Who am I to say how people should market their games? But I think people are too willing to give too much away in the marketing material now. And and that's, and like they they did another one that was like, say that you, you go through a teleporter and it disintegrates all your atoms and then rebuilds them in another place. Does this bother you? And, and how long before, like how long would you be willing for the gap to be between when you're disintegrated and when you're rebuilt? And then, and then, also, that's what happens in your real body. Your cells, you know, die and regenerate. So why does it bother you that it's a teleporter? That's just that's Star Trek shit from, you know, a long time ago. That's been going on for a long time. And Star Trek deals with it by Star Trek can be really on the nose, but they're telling a story and it's, you know, right. they get these philosophical questions out through the story and through the characters. Just writing it and tweeting it. It's just so it's so Ah, it ruins it for me. as ship. That's basically <laughs> my computer at this point. Oh boy! I finally with the P, with the power supply stuff that I had to do with the Metal Gear. I've I finally reached the point where the only original part of when I first built this computer is the case. Everything else has been replaced at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how my computer was for a little while. Uh, I, I, I'm technically like I'm using the same computer that I was almost like probably like 15 years ago, but only because I think it has the same CD drive. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, anyway, philosophical questions—they're great to raise, but don't beat us over the head with them. Yeah, if you if you want to sound smart, don't just ask the question and and go. Hmm, think about that, will you? Every 13-year-old has thought of that question. Like, you don't... <laughs> I think I think it's okay for them to just bring up the question. If they raise it in the context of a story, but the thing is they're not just raising it in the context of the story. They're bringing it outside a story's context. They're bringing it into the real world. Like, huh, isn't this an interesting question? Well, if you want to see more cool, interesting questions like that, <laughs> why don't you play Soma? Pre-order it on Steam. You get... <laughs> It's only interesting. Discount. Yeah, it's only interesting when you do something with it, not when you just ask it. Right, right. Uh, even like a philosophy teacher would look at you and go, "Yeah, that's, C plus. That's a good question." <laughs> uh, so uh, that that drives me a little crazy. And I, I, but but it, I I hope that's good. I, that's not. There's there's two games coming out, and one one is Soma, and the other one's uh, Re. Fuck. God, I have such a bad memory. This is like a running theme on the podcast. Every episode, I try to think yeah. of something. I can't remember it. You're an old man. You're it starts with re, I think. R-E. Resident uh, Evil. No, no, it is not. <laughs> um, there's an okay, online well, shooter Resident Evil game that's it? been announced, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why. I think 
the the genre of movies and games that I consume the least is horror. I don't play mm-hmm. many horror games. I don't watch many horror movies. Um, but it's really interesting, like the way that someone would make something like that. Even the more cynical cash-ins, like The Conjuring or stupid movies, uh, it be, it's become a craft. There are ways to unsettle people. There are certain techniques that work, and it's it's cool because you don't really relative to every other kind of like competent storytelling that happens like a competent sitcom episode or a competent action movie story you don't see all that many like well crafted but not necessarily artistically innovative stories for horror yeah so it's i don't know i i kind of even the dumb horror stuff it's like even the slender things it's like they're 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 getting at something that is like an ideal platonic horror concept. Have something lurking and then you dangle it as a threat and not always inconsistent payoffs for the jump scares and all of those like it seems like we're we're building up to the perfectly crafted horror thing at some point in the future. Yeah, it's a it's a big leap to make though between just like here's a game that scares you and here's a game that scares you and is also a good story or a good overall experience. Yeah. Not just, and that's something that like the alien game just isn't, isn't really that much more than just like, here's a really awesome setting. That's very well done and good horror. That's really well done. And by the way, have you seen alien? This is exactly like alien way too much like alien. Like they just directly reference scenes like a guy is standing in a room. I don't know if you've seen Alien, but a guy is standing in a room with all these chains around it, and there's water dripping, and the alien drops down, or its, its tail or whatever drops down, stabs him through the chest. And it's like, yeah, I've seen that exact scene before. You don't need to show me again in your game. Do something unique, please. Uh, it, it's just like reference. Uh, that that drives me a little crazy. But yeah, it's it's it, that's. But my point is that it's not it's not doing anything other than just. Uh, bringing up the stuff that 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 you felt and saw during the the alien movie. Um, so, yeah, horror horror has a lot of potential and has not has not done anything with that so far in the video game world, which is disappointing. But I I it has it has potential, and I don't know if I don't think Soma will be will be that thing that finally <laughs> does something interesting with it. But we'll see. I mean, if anybody, if anybody's got a track record of of defining uh, video game horror, it's Amnesia: The Dark Descent developers. So, yeah, yeah I'm. There's like in the in the late '90s, there was a whole string of directors trying to emulate Quentin Tarantino because of the success of Pulp Fiction. That's basically been the case. Uh, not, not not to say that the the slenders and the amnesias have been as good as Pulp Fiction artistically, <laughs> but that's basically been the case for horror games yeah. for the last five years. Is how can we do amnesia? How can we do slender? You know, if if anybody can push it forward, it'd be them. Yep, Metal Gear Solid Five pushed their genre forward, so. Come on. Come on, developers. You can do it. Speaking of, 
Speaking of Metal Gear Solid Five, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is super short. I'll keep it really short. But how do you go about? Young Yeah released a review that was fairly long and sometimes good, sometimes just tried and normal review of Metal Gear Solid Five, and he wound up giving it a score at the end of nine point seven. And just trying to assign a score to something like that. I'm not one of the people who say, well, numerical scores, there are, there are you know, any kind of quantitative thumbs up, star, score scale, they're always bad. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. But they are always just, weird, though. It's, it's not always weird, really. It's just sometimes weird. When you get, when you get something like Metal Gear Solid Five, when it's clearly a masterpiece in its gameplay or in like some of its elements and is clearly a tremendous failure in some other ways like story can you really just like put a number on it can you can you say that the story was a a six and that the gameplay was a 10 and and average it out into an eight i don't i I don't think that's possible uh yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five going anywhere with that, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five is unique in in that it's it's a part of a it's a part of a very important series and and one that that has been going on for a very long time and is very well loved and you have to put it you have to put it in context of that series and if you do then it has severe uh, severe problems but if you if you treat it as a game on its own you know if Metal Gear Solid Five was not a Metal Gear Solid game. It would be, it, it would deserve that kind of score, I think, uh, I because you could separate it from, you know, its 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 overall story and its legacy, but but That's it's the thing, not to, to get to get more into Metal Gear Solid Five, which we don't want to be doing too much of on this one. <laughs> we've already kind of failed at that. The 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 twist, the story there, again, no spoilers. It's so baked in to the game and was clearly planned from the very beginning and was integral to the story even though it's so bad yeah it's like can can you really even imagine this as being part of any other series even though it sucks so bad i'm just imagining this series can you imagine it as part of any other series i'm just imagining that kind of story told on its own like specifically the first part you know that could technically be a standalone story in some kind of you know original setting uh this is probably one of our points of disagreement because I think that, that chapter one is a legitimately great Metal Gear story. I see, yeah, that is a big disagreement because I, I don't think I think it I think it fails as a Metal Gear story. I think it's just it, it doesn't quite have what I'm I think, looking for. I think it's a I think it's a Metal Gear Solid One quality story. Oof. Chapter one is better than Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, no, we we can't talk about we can't talk about Metal Gear Solid. This this would get us into a huge discussion, and I'm not willing to have That's it right true. now. It's been three podcasts in a row, um, but yeah, I disagree. I love Metal Gear Solid One story, um, although that one also has some serious issues. Uh, but uh, anyway, I I want to get some news out of the way real quick as we wrap things up. Uh, this has been going on for a while. Uh, obviously, we've missed some news because we've basically only been talking about one game. Uh, there's been some interesting stuff that's happened. Martin O'Donnell, who made the uh, soundtracks for, I think, every Bungie yep. game ever, uh, sued. And Destiny. He was fired like a year and a half ago or a year ago or something like that. 
maybe like right before Destiny was released. Yeah, and, right before Destiny. Yeah, and he apparently sued Bungie, and they came they came up to a, a settlement. Uh, and uh, apparently, he's like regained ownership of the company and stuff. It's it's very complicated stuff that I won't get into, but uh, he won, and it's That's revealed great. some. It's good for him, and it's revealed some kind of obvious things that everyone would probably kind of already suspected about Bungie and Activision's relationship and how Bungie has changed since, you know, becoming an Activision company and and the, the logic behind Destiny's creation. Uh, I thought one of the really interesting things was that one of his major issues that caused him to kind of divide with, uh, uh, apart from, from Bungie was just the fact that Activision wanted to put their own music in a trailer and he was adamant that the music that he specifically created for the trailer should, should be used instead. Uh, cause they apparently they had promised him, yeah, you know, you, th- this will be used in the trailer. And then Activision came up and said, no, we want to put our own thing on And, and, and it drove him crazy. And there is a trailer for destiny that I think we discussed on this podcast in which it's the Led Zeppelin's, uh, yeah, the one where it looks like a Call of Duty. Yeah, it's like Call a Duty, it's Nazi in this live action stuff. Yeah, and 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 it's it's yeah it's it's so there's a Led Zeppelin track accompanying it that does not at all fit with anything going on, and uh, and we 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 specifically mentioned how bizarre it was, and I I have a feeling that that was that was the trailer, uh, and there's there's some other stuff I I, I encourage people to read up on it if you're interested in that kind of thing, but. Uh, yeah, he won, so good for him. Uh and yeah. and he's got his own game company starting up and so it's it's cool. He I hope he is uh, so good at making music. He's made he has made what I think it might be the best soundtrack in video games. I mean, next to, you know, like Hotline Miami. Uh Halo 3 soundtrack is to all the Halos. Uh they're all incredible. Um well, Halo 4, <laughs> Halo 5. Uh yeah. But those those don't count. Those, those aren't Halo those aren't Halo games. Um, <laughs> those are Star those Wars are, prequels. Those are Halo properties. <laughs> those aren't even Star Wars prequels because at least the Star Wars prequels were created well, by the original and, creator of. <laughs> it, no, I mean no. I saw yeah. I saw the uh, the anniversary edition of the Halo Two cutscenes yesterday. I think I watched them actually. Halo 2 had some good cutscenes and they created, they completely recreated them and for the anniversary edition. Like, I think they hired a company to do like CGI cutscenes basically because it's not even in engine, I don't think. Or maybe it's their Halo 5 engine or something. I don't know. But, uh, well, it, it's really bizarre. The, they, what's weird about the Star Wars prequels <laughs> is that they are not prequels, the Star Wars movies. George Lucas only directed Star Wars before the prequel, he didn't direct episode five or episode six those weren't his those ideas I, took off and were interesting in their own and people were able to make something of it yeah i mean I, halo it, it's is always not been that way been... halo has always been a video game that's the product of a company and it's an incredibly talented company who is great at making stories and characters and all that stuff but to like to change companies is as bad as changing directors for an established series maybe even worse like because it's like all yeah, like agree. from the top down everything's changing and just uh yeah I, anyway I, I i've talked at length about how much i hate 
the direction that Halo has gone in since they abandoned Bungie abandoned it. Uh, but but it's it's disgraceful that they went back onto Halo Two and changed shit sometimes kind of significantly. They re-recorded all of the lines of dialogue. Uh, sometimes sometimes the re-records are fine. Sometimes they're really weird. Uh, they've added these high texture faces on faces that were never high texture before, and so it's really weird. And the sound design is awful. It sounds like an eight-year-old led the sound design team because like all everything that's everything that is some kind of vehicle makes the same noise, yeah. which is a cool noise. <laughs> but it's constant, and it sounds like some. Well, it doesn't sound like someone's making it with their mouth. It's a very, it's a very well produced it noise. Feels like some of the sounds in the um, Metal Gear Solid Five music. In, like, sure, you know, in the, in the sense of the father, where it's like, yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a running theme. Like since God, I hate to, uh, it's it's a cliche at this point, but like the Inception, boom, that thing has been like turned into everything now, and not just music or trailer music. It's it's even design. Like you hear these, they add bass to things that are big or epic. And and it's it's distracting to me. And if you wa- you should watch the Halo Two cutscenes, especially if you're familiar with the Halo Two cutscenes, and just watch anything that has a ship in it, which is most of the cutscenes. And they all just sound like they're way- they're making yeah. way too much noise. They're like sometimes it's just like a drop ship in the background, and it's just like that was that was one of the awesome things about Metal or not Metal. I can't even remember the name. <laughs> Mass Effect Three. <laughs> Mass Effect 3's Reapers, the sound that they make was so cool at the time. It was still after Inception, so it wasn't totally original, but, but, but it seemed after. to fit it seemed to fit the the Reapers perfectly. It seemed mm. like huge and like, oh my god, this is cosmic destruction. But it's that sound that Yeah. It's just so ubiquitous now to anything that's like you said, quote-unquote epic. Yeah, and I, I brought up that You sound can't more. think about it in any other context than that meta context of everyone is using it. Yeah, I brought up that sound more of a, as an example because I don't think Halo 2, the cutscenes that they made, necessarily employ that particular sound, but they it's that kind of thing where it's just like, here's a generic epic-sounding thing and everything is going to make that sound and it's distracting and just horrible. And I, yeah. <laughs> I, I was blown away. I was sitting there like, they got carried away with this. And it, and like the original cutscenes were, were fine. Like if you just made those high definition and kept pretty much the same sound, it would have been fine. But but like the Banshees. Banshees in Halo have a very distinctive screaming yeah. sound and it's why they're called Banshees. <laughs> but in the cutscenes for Halo 2 that they remade, they don't scream. They make the same sound that all the oh, other... They go They go... And it's just like what? That's horrible. It's it is. It's it's made by people who aren't Halo fans. I can only I can only imagine, or who just like they're, see Halo and say, well, "Wouldn't it be cool if this happened?" They're they're professionals. Yeah, they professionals. know they know they know how to make things for the widest possible audience. Yeah, but it's they don't, it's like, it's people it, who look at things. It's exactly. people who look at things and say, "Wouldn't it be cool if?" Constantly, and that's just well, all they do. It's not. Wouldn't it be cool if? It's wouldn't it? be good in like the Better. popular sense good wouldn't it be more in line with the current standards yeah, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, anyway that shit's weird look that stuff up it's weird uh there's a few 
small announcements such as Witcher 3 is getting expansion. I think I mentioned, mentioned that on a previous podcast. I won't talk about that. Uh, Dark Souls had a trailer for their new expansion that's going to be coming out. Uh, not Dark Souls. Dark Souls 3? Dark Souls 3 has a Bloodborne trailer. Bloodborne did get a new trailer. And I watched that trailer and that looks great. <laughs> it looks It looks like really more Bloodborne. Good. Uh, it looks... It looks like more Bloodborne. It has some like cool a, looking weapons. A new location, a ton of cool weapons. I am really excited. I'm looking for that. forward to its scary moments and cool kills. Uh, a lot. Okay, so to bring up Metal Gear Solid Five yet again. Okay. This will be shorter though. With Metal Gear Solid Five, it feels like they had. We know that they had years to develop the Fox engine individually, and a lot of the things that felt unfinished or incomplete. They were like creative things like, oh, you needed this mission in there and it wasn't in there. Or yeah. we needed this character moment and it just wasn't there because they didn't have time or the money or whatever. Bloodborne, it felt like they, they knew where they were going when they started. It's a modified version of the engine they've been using for years. It, they clearly had some technical trouble with it, some serious technical trouble with it. Mm-hmm. But even in the original launch version of that game, with the terrible loading times there was a complete experience with lots of technical problems again (laughs) but creatively it was done and that's what like if i if you had to i haven't played witcher 3 yet that's a huge a huge caveat to this i haven't played witcher 3 yet (laughs) but if I had to choose between Metal Gear Solid Five and Bloodborne as Game of the Year or 2015, I would pick Bloodborne immediately. Just because it's complete. Creatively, Bloodborne is done. It's a great game, complete, finished. Boom. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying, and and I I agree. I think I think for something to be like Game of the Year material or 10 out of 10 material, it has to feel at least complete, and it has to whether it went through development hell or not. It, they needed to at least make it a something that 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 you don't feel like there's just chunks missing. And, yep. And, when I when I finished Bloodborne and the credits rolled, I was like, I finished a video game. That yeah. is not how I felt after Metal Gear Solid Five. No. Uh. So. Oh boy, I can't wait for that video. Um. <laughs> and you, God, I can't wait for you to play Witcher Three too. I th- I hope you love it. That's cool. I, I have no idea how you'll feel about it because I, I, I don't really know. I, I'm loving Witcher Two. I'm I wanting to finish Witcher Two. Yeah. I haven't really got. What I have to do is uh, Witcher Two doesn't do cloud saves on Steam, so oh, I have to I have to put the save in my Dropbox or on a flash drive and then transfer it to my actual computer. But um, yeah, I. I was really into The Witcher 2. I'm going to get back into it and finish that and play Witcher 3 because I've heard Witcher 3 is by far the best yep. of the series. Yeah, I, you're, you're, and you've got an advantage playing the other ones. I I, I came into Witcher 3 blind. And, oh, I've and only it, played Witcher 2. It doesn't... Well, yeah, okay, sure. But that, I think that gives you a big advantage because I, right. I, I didn't feel like I was missing a lot by not playing those other games like story-wise, but there's a lot of recurring characters. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, With so. the, the, the bard... Just a lot of stuff, including the bard. But like, there's I won't I, I don't know if any of them are big reveals or not. But the, I would say most of the heard, major characters in the story are are returning characters. I heard there's a disappointment for people who are returning. I have like no idea. Triss, I wouldn't know. The, Triss, the redheaded, she's in it. Sorceress that 
I mean, in The Witcher 2, from what I've played, she is the love interest. She is the mm. primary female character in the whole game. Yeah. And I, from what I've heard about The Witcher 3 is that she was severely underdeveloped, and they're actually releasing a story patch to they fix are. that. They so, are. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a story patch, because I, I don't know if I would describe additional it as... Additional story. Yeah, again, this is a case where like it doesn't feel incomplete to me, at least. Okay, uh, that's good, that's good. It, 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 she, is a, she is a love interest, but only one. So you choose. Okay, okay that's good. And 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 uh, I didn't choose her, and I'm happy with my choice. She's my waifu. No, uh, I I'm glad. That, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you went with Yennefer. Yeah, I'm glad that they did okay. with what they did with it, and and it works. I think, uh, at least from the 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 perspective I saw works fine. It's it's not a major part of the story though. It's it's a pretty minor, like almost like a side thing. Uh, it's it's not it it is not at all. Uh, major so that's probably why where people are disappointed in is because the those the love interest part of the story is is extremely minor it's it's more of like an after a side thought kind of thing but but that feels planned that feels designed so uh yeah oh god and and this isn't a requirement for dating yennefer but there is a there is a dating, dating yeah you know how they did in the old <laughs> times uh there is a quest involving her that is maybe my favorite one in the series and it is or the, the the game not the series i haven't played the series i plan to but uh it's a really good quest you get is drunk it, like, it's great okay never mind it's I great i'm gonna make a guess but it was i was off pace you get drunk and uh and do drunk things <laughs> it's pretty fucking great all right uh that's it i think i i can't yeah. think of anything We've else been going for almost two hours huge yeah there's a lot to catch up on you know i i actually ended up playing a lot of video games too uh i still feel like i'm missing one but uh, I, I can't think of it anyway uh we'll probably be doing these on thursday from now on by the way uh yes or not from now on necessarily but for the near future at least for the foreseeable future thursdays uh not that we usually keep to our scheduled days anyway so just <laughs> These things will come when they come. Uh, and you'll so, like it. And you will like it. Uh, so, And we appreciate you liking it. Please uh, yeah, subscribe. Thanks, like for, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Push Out Podcast for everyone. And, uh, oh, I, damn it. Hey, I would use sound effects on my keyboard, I don't remember the code I need to punch in to get the sound effects. I have all sorts of sound effects on my keyboard that I could be doing. Uh, it's a uh, 69. <laughs> oh! Oh! No, it's 420. Ah, okay. Good night, everyone. Uh, Or whatever. Whatever time of the day it is for you. Bye. See you next week.